wolfmanning up a slide to destroy a child's life. That's what you missed if you didn't come out early. Won't you come out to a live show sometime in the future? They're at 10 Eastern. They're on my server. You can find out more at Real Grey Night. That's R-E-L-G-R-E-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T at Twitter. It's the pinned tweet. Come on into the server. It's a live show. It's Friday the 6th. The world is continuing to end in slow motion. And I don't really want to talk much more about that because obviously now everybody else is. So we're now in Act 2 of the movie. And I was the disaster scientist in Act 1 of the movie of the, of the apocalypse. But now the apocalypse is happening, but it's really slow motion. And so for the whole Act 1, I was like, you don't understand. The experts are wrong. They don't see what I see. You gotta listen to me. But I'm just a crazy guy in the fuck, you know, I'm Christian Slater or, you know, I'm Charlie Sheen or I'm one of those. So no one's fucking, li- I'm the one white guy in my age group that nobody will listen to for some reason. That's just all there is to it. And so I was screaming about it over and over again, about how it was like the end and and what have you. And you've heard it. If you're here, if you've heard the last couple of weeks, you've heard me talking about it. Now everyone's talking about it. And now I don't need to talk about it. It's happening, but it's happening in slow motion. But the one thing I got to say that it's just so crazy in all this news, right? Now that there's like, now that like Mike Pence is like, Repelling off helicopters and throwing tests at people, like with Jesus in 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 you know in silhouette behind him, and like there's like action shots and shit, you know. Now that like we're at that level of the movie, there's a really boring thing happening in the background. Now that everyone's like, "Oh my God, we're all gonna die!" Right? Now that that's happening, <laughs> there's this really boring but really important sub story that's happening behind the scenes. With money and debt and governments, and it's really boring. But I can't stop watching it. It's this crazy subplot. And, like, I just, I don't know where it's going to end. I'm a total news zombie, and I'm just so excited that I'm getting my work done and that, like, I'm not nuts yet. And here's how little nuts I am. Now that I've accepted that masks are more likely to make you sick than keep you protected if you wear them. Oh, now that I've accepted that. I didn't wear any masks. I didn't buy any masks. Don't worry. I'm not a mask guy for once in my life. Uh, but once I once I accepted that, <laughs> once I accepted the fact that, like, masks are more likely to make you sick, I've gone out in public a couple of times. And here's the one thing. Here's my one, since every podcaster is talking about it, here's my one story. I've gone to a Chinese place now twice. Because there was nobody there. There used to be people there. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go to this Chinese place before they go out of business. <laughs> so I go there twice. This is a true story. This is really kind of sad. I'm warning you. This is true, though. I just got done with the second time, and that's why I'm opening with it before the live show tonight. So I've gone there twice in the last 10 days. So I, I go there the first time, and there's nobody, and they treat me like a fucking prince. They're so nice and what have you, and they're so excited because there's a customer. They're losing fucking money because <laughs> of this goddamn virus. And I hate their chicken. I order fried chicken, and I make better fried chicken at home in my walk by far. And it's healthier, too. It's way cheaper. And I'm like, oh, this is not good. Oof, this is a bad experience since it's not a cheap place. So I go tonight right before I go in because the rice was good. They were very nice, and there was nobody there. 
So I go again and I order teriyaki. I'm like, okay, I'll get teriyaki chicken since the fried chicken was not good. I'll get teriyaki chicken. I just want a little something beforehand. They fucking fried their fucking teriyaki chicken. Yeah. It's like teriyaki and then like deep fried. And then they ask me for sauce at the end and I'm like, uh, no, no thank you. Because they go, soy sauce, soy sauce. And I go, no thank you. Right? And <laughs> I go, no thank you. And they go, I'll give you teriyaki sauce. Then I'm like, yeah, yes. Yes, yes, absolutely. And so I think that they gave me teriyaki sauce, right? And so I open it up when I get home, and there's this tiny little, tiny, there's no teriyaki sauce on any of the deep fried chicken or another rice, and there's a tiny little thing of teriyaki, of like Kikoman teriyaki sauce, like that. And they also insist on giving me a piece of paper as I go. Take piece of paper. Take piece of paper as I go, right? Take piece of paper. And so I take it, and it's their quote-unquote new menu. <laughs> and their new and improved menu has eight items on it. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, well, basically I'm opening the story saying, uh, I went to a Chinese place that won't be there. <laughs> and I hope that everybody has a good show. Pay me so I can continue <laughs> to have experiences like that since everybody else has an immune compromised person in in their life and I don't. Since it's just me, pay me and then I'll go out into the wastelands and then I'll bring you back stories like that. I didn't anticipate that I was going to be telling you like a New York Times style account of how a restaurant was going to collapse. About how there was going to be some unemployment. <laughs> I just wanted some fucking rice, dude. I just wanted some fucking chicken. I want some easy, t I mean, teriyaki, man, it's supposed to be kind of okay for you, at least if you're an American and you have, you know, literally fondue to go near you. I just wanted rice and chicken. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be talking about food a lot at the opening of this one because I don't have anything else. Uh, and I do want to combine it back to COVID-19 just a little bit. So at the end of this, if I don't get there, live girls remind me about frozen pizza. Okay, so <laughs> Wasteland. The new segment is Wasteland Restaurant Review. Because you, you definitely need to know how the McDonald's on your corner is doing if it's been infected or not. Oh, I like the McDonald's that's, that's on San Pedro uh, because it's open. Uh, since the last one did, in fact, get shut down for being a cluster. So it's now my favorite McDonald's. It used to be my least favorite McDonald's, but now it's the only one that's open in town. So now it's my favorite. It's the Wasteland <laughs> Restaurant Review. I, you know, at this point, I just bring my own fries when I go there because often they don't have oil to make the fries. So at this point, I just take my fries there, and I'll just get the burger. <laughs> hey, speaking of Wasteland, more news in America. Okay, so KFC has a sandwich that's so fucking evil that they won't even name it. 
Let's call it the Voldemort sandwich. Uh, the name tentatively that you are asked to, as though you are asked to look up an illegal drug by somebody on the corner, is just look up Kentucky Fried Chicken Donut Sandwich. Because there isn't really a name for this motherfucking thing. You just have to put that in, and then you'll see it. And guys, it's just as terrifying as it fucking sounds. It's too... Plain glazed donuts, a piece of fucking overbreaded chicken in between them, and sugar gravy on top. Some kind of sugar gravy cum on top in between. It must be in my mouth. I must have it. Not since Ewan McGregor saw Nicole Kidman in Moulin Rouge, has something had to be in someone else's mouth so instantaneously, so instantly known. It must be there. I must unhinge my jaw and let the evil in. Not since Charlie Manson died did I know that some essence of evil was supposed to enter my body quite as resoundingly strongly as this. I'm going to have it. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it sounds like. I don't care how awful it is. I'm going to at least eat a bite of this, and I'll tell you why. About a decade ago, I think longer than that, I was in really good shape. I'm in pretty good shape now. I'm getting in better better shape now. I'm going to bite one of these things anyway. But like the Highlander felt, if you haven't seen the Highlander, don't bother, if, like the Highlander felt when another immortal was nearby, the sensation that something evil had been brought into his proximity into the world, just like that, I was just working out at the gym one night, and I was about ready to go home, and I just felt evil. I just felt it. So I got in my car and I started patrolling the streets for evil, and somehow I didn't become a Trump voter, because that's kind of the behavior that leads you there at that point, right, I think? Like, for some reason, like, I know what this sounds like. I was at a gym, I'm a white guy, I'm alone, I sense evil in the world, I go out and I look for it. I know, I sound like George Zimmerman to me too, but don't worry, the story doesn't go in that direction. No, I find my evil somewhere else. I find it at a place I've never been to before, and a place that I have not, this is true, been to since. An evil, evil, evil place called Kafk. Kafk. Where a silhouetted crypt keeper, obviously animated by the cholesterol of children he has killed, giggles in glee at those he towers over, illuminated by the red that fills his soul and also makes the cholesterol in his blood very bright. So I go to KFC, and I don't know why, except that I've heard about this double down, but I don't really know what it's about. And there I see it. On the drive through window, the most disgusting fast food item I have ever imagined. 
I have ever conceived. It looks horrible. For those of you who don't know what the double down is, after describing the donut sandwich as so bad, here's the double, here's how they sold it. It was, I'll never forget the visual fucking image of this goddamn fast food billboard. It's two pieces of fried chicken as the bread. As the bread of a sandwich. Think of a normal sandwich. And this had two fried chicken patties as the bread. And then it's kind of opened up a little by a pair of hands. Just to make it even more like a gaping asshole at a Taiwanese strip show, donkey show, that kind of thing. Two gaping hands are just pulling the cheeks apart so that the ooey-gooey quote-unquote cheese that's just filled with bacon chunks. I don't know how else to put it, but bacon chunks begins to slowly emerge from the shell that was barely containing the evil. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. I'm in really good shape at this point. All right? I'm in fantastically good shape at this point, but I decide to eat one of these anyway. And do you know why? Once again, I'm going to describe the four elements of this sandwich. Ready? It is two pieces of fried chicken, cheese, and bacon. That is a double down. Ready? Do you know why I choose to eat this? Because it is 600 calories. That's true. That's a true story. Yes, that's correct. That's it. That's all there is to it. Yeah, 600 calories. It's about 100 calories with the cheese. It's about 50 to 100 calories with the bacon. The fried chicken, the two pieces are about 200 a piece. Right. No, it's not. Not at all. Why are you guys say? See, you guys are, huh, huh, huh. Nah. A Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich with the bun is 450. Yeah. A Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, no sauce, nothing, right? But that's with the bun. The Chick-fil-A, yes, yes, it's 450 for just the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Absolutely. Please look it up. Uh, but just the, just the chicken patty itself is 200, 250. You're, you're, the bun, you know, you're, you're paying a lot of calories for that bun. You're paying a lot. So you take the bun away, you got two chicken patties, you make them a little bit thinner than Chick-fil-A chicken patties, you get them down to 200 calories a piece. Yeah, you put 150 to 200 calories of cheese and bacon in between them, 600 calories. So I thought, it's 600 calories, 700 at most. I'll try it. And then I took three bites. And I threw it away. Fuck that shit. <laughs> it was horrible. It was awful. It was terrible. You think I'm going to fucking work out an elliptical for 47 fucking minutes for that shit? Fuck you. I can drink four beers for that. So, I'm looking at this. This KFC sandwich that I've just been introduced to. The sandwich that has no name. The Voldemort sandwich. And it's two donuts with a chicken patty in between and a sugary glaze. 
How many calories is it? The sandwich, not the meal, the sandwich, the Voldemort sandwich. How many calories is it? 1,100 to 1,200. It is double as bad as the double down. And I knew it immediately. See? You didn't know that, did you? When I described the donut sandwich, you said that's bad. When I described the double down, you thought it was worse, didn't you? Half as fucking bad. Half as fucking bad as your donut sandwich. Sugar is the devil. Sugar's the devil! It just kills you so quickly. I know, I'm gonna try it too. It's gonna go away quickly, so I have to go. There's not even a KFC around here. I'm gonna have to go and find a KFC to get this worthless piece of shit sandwich. I am not excited at all about this venture whatsoever. All right, last thing then. This is why you guys gotta tip me, you guys gotta make me more famous, you guys gotta keep sharing me on social media, you guys gotta check out the Patreon. So why you guys gotta check me out on Twitter and the blah, 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 blah. So why you guys have been doing such a great job about it. Because... <laughs> Daddy had the most horrible realization of his life two nights ago, I think? This isn't like I'm gonna die alone. I realized that a long time ago. Hard realization. My parents don't really love me. Hard realization. Nah. There's a lot of evidence there before, there, no. Yeah. Uh, you know, hard realizations. I'm not actually going to end up with this person. That was a bad one. Ooh, we're all getting fired tomorrow, and I'm the one who has to do it. That was a hard one. Uh, ooh, oh, September 11th, that was a pretty, like, slowly dawning on me before going to class, like, what was happening, that was a pretty bad one. These are horrible revelations. None of them as bad as the one that I'm about to talk about now. Not even fucking close. Here's the revelation in short. I can order a lot of pizzas from Chicago for cheaper than I can from Pizza Hut. Okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the fucking gate, all right? Now that we've said it all at once, let's unpack it. Why is that worse than 9-11? All right? Deep breaths. Let's get through it. So occasionally, when I'm doing really well in my life, occasionally, when I want to be successful and treat myself as such, some people, they go out to a bar, or, 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 or they get a big drink, or they go on vacation. People have rituals. Some people get a cigar. Some people go out shopping. Some people buy themselves, you know, a little luxury item that they've been putting off. When I hit goals, when I want to treat myself, I sometimes, it's very decadent, it's not even a once a year thing, if not even once every year thing, I will allow myself to order in a pizza from Chicago. They, they come frozen, they come delivered overnight, uh, they come right to your door, you cook them, it's the, the Chicago deep dish style, because it's the Chicago deep dish style way, uh, they actually bake in your oven really, really nice, this, I have a nice oven here, and I, I haven't ordered one in a while, I haven't ordered one in, in years, uh, not 2019, not 2018, I was thinking maybe, you know, if I keep hitting sales goals, if things keep working out alright, maybe, you know, maybe I'll order a pizza. Now, every time I've done this, I've been in a place where I could afford it, obviously. It's a pretty expensive thing. You're, you're paying 40 to 50 bucks. You're overnighting a pizza from Chicago to, to your door. You're paying a, a big premium for this. But 
When I order a Pizza Hut or something, when I Grubhub or something at Pizza Hut, it's 25 bucks anymore with the tip, 25 to 30 bucks anymore with the tip for me. Just me. It's just me. Like, I'll get a pizza and wings or whatever, or I'll get a pizza whatever, right? But if I, with the tip and the deliver, I don't know what it costs for you guys, but to get a pizza at my door, it's always at least 20 bucks. And usually 25 to 30 at this point. Yeah? So, I was just thinking, in 2020, things have been going pretty well the last couple of months. I've been doing pretty good financially. I've been doing pretty good, thank you guys, and all that, with my fitness and my emotional regulation and what have you. And I just thought, so I look it up, and indeed, it's about the same cost that it was the last time I got one years ago. And I was like, oh, that's nice for inflation. But they've expanded the, the place in Chicago that I used to go to in person, and that, that's how I know to, to get the pizzas uh, delivered in. Uh, they've expanded their frozen operations. It's a much bigger part. They have a whole, they used to have just like a tiny little web page. Now they have a whole thing, and they've got pictures, and they've got, uh, you know, of their kitchen and how they freeze it, and they've got a whole like frozen pizza team and all that. And I thought that was cool. I really did. But in addition to this, because they've ramped up the business, they've also got specials? Like you're on Pizza Hut, except you're looking at $50 fucking pizzas? <laughs> and because they've expanded the operation now, it's $40 for one. It's 40 to 50 bucks for one to get a large pizza overnight into your door. But it's only about 130 for six of them. So that's $20 or so a pop. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now, hold on. Now, hold on a second here. <laughs> Maybe my math is off. But I'm pretty sure... <laughs> you're telling me I can get my favorite pizza in the world delivered for cheaper than local delivery here? Now, I laughed at that. A lot, guys, I told you, this is a worse revelation than 9-11. That's obviously not a worse revelation than 9-11. Settle down. So I'm getting in bed, I'm petting my cat, getting all sleepy, take a little, take a little puff of my night-night stick. And just slowly chilling out, feeling that regulation. When I'm in this mood, the other voice in my head's a little bit louder. There's two times in my day where the other voice in my head's really loud and clear. One's when I'm first waking up, other's when I'm going to sleep. Sometimes he's very loud when I'm exercising or I'm channeling something, but besides that, it's usually the guy that you're hearing now, and there's kind of a quieter second voice in the distance. Again, louder when I'm waking up, louder when I'm going to sleep going to sleep, and he's a little bit louder and a little bit clearer than he is throughout the day. And he just says, yeah, yeah, buying six pizzas for 20 bucks a pop is pretty dumb. I'm like, it is. It's way too many pizza. He's like, mm, especially since they're Chicago deep dish, so they're like four to 5,000 calories a pop. And I'm like, it's just yeah, not 20, 20 to 25,000 fucking calories in fucking your freezer. It's awful. And he's like, 
Oh, yeah, 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 I know. It'd be awful to have that many pizzas and that much calories that you'd enjoy that much if you were quarantined. And my eyes shoot open in the night. And I run back to the keyboard and I check to make sure that the calorie per dollar ratio is good. And I think, wait a minute. That fucking bastard's onto something. So, tip me! I didn't buy them yet. But now, the game's afoot. I'm pretty sure, even if that test kitchen's totally fucking infested with the goddamn fucking bug, that the freezing of it to ship them will protect me, and if not, you bake them at 450. <laughs> so there's just, like, no chance, I think, of getting it from that shit. <laughs> Plus, it's so fucking greasy that your own, like, anti-inflammation will probably kill any virus that's in there at that point. Have you all ever had a fucking deep-dish Chicago pizza? I might want to die if I have more than one of those if I'm stuck inside a house. Oh my god. I was just trying to think of, like, how cost-effective that is. This is the true story before we begin the reading. There's, they're basically giant pies. They're basically, like, giant pies because they're three, four inches tall and just filled with cheese. It's a big, thick, thick, like, cannoli-level heavy crust. So we're talking about just literally two to three times as many calories as a normal pizza. Yeah, giant casserole of pizza. And they're fantastic. They're so good. It's so... You can't have it every day. You can't have it every week. You can't even really have it every month. But it's so good. But I can't stop thinking about, like, the cost-effectiveness of that. Right? Like, if you could actually get like a whole group of people to be down with just eating a slice of pizza, the cost effectiveness of that, you could feed 50 people for 120 bucks easy with those fucking I was there like, God damn, that is such a cheap fuck. I can't get over it. You could feed, you can, just with a little advance preview, you could buy the six fucking pizza pack. And you would do so much better than if you went to your, like, McDonald's or whatever with the same amount of money on the dollar menu. It's like, give me 120 chicken McNugget orders. Like, what are you going to do with that? Now you got 600 McNuggets. Congratulations. 600 McNuggets feeding 50 adults? Go fuck yourself. You're not even going to get halfway through those things before they start getting thrown at you. You're done, asshole. You're done. So real quick here, I did go to Worship Satan this one time when I was out in California. We're just going to go right past it. Don't think about it too much, guys. Again, my life is more interesting than yours. I'm sorry about that. Please don't compare. So anyways, I'm out in California, and someone's inviting me to a Satanist meeting, because why not? And I asked them if there's going to be weed there, and he says, it's a Satanist meeting. We don't know each other, so I think, eh, I think I'm going to get along with this group okay. So I go to the Satanist meeting. And I gotta tell you, of all the deities that I've been about to meet so far, he is the least impressive. Because his snack table 
is worthless. We're talking cheese nips, okay? We're talking trail mix with no cashews. We're not, no shrimp cocktail. Do you understand that you can't even meet a cardinal? A cardinal! A cardinal! Without a shrimp cocktail being present. And I'm gonna meet fucking Satan first date, and there's not even a goddamn prawn up in this bitch. There is literally no altive up in here. It's just finger food. That is not proper. Do you know how much more of a Satanist I would be if I walked into that goddamn messianic hall and there were six different Chicago deep dish pizzas out there sliced up so I could just take one, whatever. Just like each one of them sliced into like 30 different, like, tiny little wet, maybe 60, because they're so big and deep, and just go ahead. Just every every time you pass by, just have another little 100 calories of pizza. Satan says you can do it. Hail Satan. I don't think you understand. I once dated a woman because she occasionally got me pizza. She occasionally would bring me food. She occasionally would bring me pizza. That was enough in my early 20s. You're telling me the first date you're going to feed me all the pizza I want? From a forbidden and faraway land known called as Chicago? <laughs> I'm really mad. I don't know why I thought I was going to go to a Satanist meeting and get a shrimp cocktail. But I did. I did. And it didn't happen. And so Jesus still has me on his side. For now. For now, Jesus. Okay, one last thing to talk about food to bring it back home. This is just really funny. I thought it was true. Back when they were having the chicken sandwich thing last year, because I was getting into chicken sandwiches just a little bit, and then the internet exploded about them anyway. Uh, the, the frozen pizza is already done. Oh, yeah, I already did the frozen pizza thing. <laughs> so from Chicago. Uh, last thing, real quick, about the, the, the food. Uh, I was getting into chicken sandwiches, and that's when the chicken sandwich on the internet thing happened. And people were talking about church's chicken sandwiches for no good fucking reason. So I just Googled church near me, churches near me. <laughs> and I forgot that churches were a building. Like I legitimately, that wasn't in my mind at all. So I was just like, churches near me. And, and then like churches popped up and I was like, okay, but where's the chicken sandwich? I was legitimately very confused for a second. I was like, oh, right, Lutheran, as in Luther, as in, yeah, oh, right, right. <laughs> but then a pop-up said that Jesus wants to know my location, so I backed out the search screaming. I refreshed my IP. Oh, fuck no. I'm in the Jehovah Witness Protection Program now. That's why I moved. Okay, let's start. Let's start with the poetry. Thank you to everybody who made a request, everybody who came out, everybody who makes the show possible. I do appreciate it and you very, very much indeed. Okay. <clears throat> I love your lips when they're wet with wine and red with wild desire. I love your eyes with the love like lies lit with a passionate fire. 
I love your arms with the warm white flesh touches mine in its fond embrace. I love your hair when the strands mesh, your kisses against my face. Not for me the cold, calm kiss of virgin's bloodless love, not for me the saint's white bliss, nor the heat of spotless dove. But give me the love that so freely gives and laughs at the whole world's blame. With your body so young and warm in my arms, it sets my poor heart aflame. So kiss me sweet with your warm, wet mouth, still fragrant with ruby wine, and say with the fever born of the South that your body and soul are mine. Clasp me close in your warm, young arms while the pale stars shine above, and we'll live while our whole young lives away in the joys of living love. I Love You by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. <clears throat> and if the sun comes, how shall we greet him? Shall we not dread him? Shall we not fear him after so lengthy a session with shade? Though we have wept for him, though we have prayed, although the night years, what if we wake one shimmering morning to hear the fierce hammering of his firm knuckles hard on the door? Shall we not shudder? Shall we not flee into the shelter, the dear thick shelter of the familiar proportionous haze? How sweet it is, sweet it is, to sleep in the coolness of snug unawareness. The dark hangs heavy over the eyes. <clears throat> Truth by Gwendolyn Brooks. Body, remember not only how much you will love, not only the beds on which you lay, but also those desires which for you plainly glowed in the eyes and trembled in the voice, and some chance obstacle made them futile. And now all belongs to the past. It is almost as if you had yielded to those dark desires too. Remember how they glowed in the eyes looking at you, how they trembled in the voice for you. Remember, body. Remember Body by Constantine P. Cavafy, C-A-V-A-F-Y. <clears throat> Out of the night that covers me, black as the pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. I feel the clutch of circumstance I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloodied, but unbowed. Beyond this pale of wrath and tears looms but horrors of the shade, and yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Invictus by William Ernest Henley <clears throat> 
<clears throat> Try to praise the mutilated world. Remember June's long days and the wild strawberries, drops of rosé wine, the nestles that methodically overgrow and abandon homesteads of exiles. You must praise the mutilated words. You watched the stylish yachts and ships. One of them had a long trip ahead of it, while salty oblivion awaited others. You've seen the refugees going nowhere. You've heard the executioners sing joyfully. You should praise the mutilated world. Remember the moments when we were together in a white room and the curtain fluttered. Return in thought to the concert where the music flared. You gathered acorns in the park in autumn and leaves eddied over the earth's scars. Praise the mutilated world. The gray feather and thrush lost, the gentle light that strays and vanishes and returns. Try to Praise the Mutilated World by Adam Zagajewski Z-A-G-A-G-J-E-W-S-K-I Z-A-G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I Those Eastern block names sometimes, my friends, for a dyslexic. <clears throat> Deep in liquid, turquoise silvers, the dilute of light. Quiver in thin streaks of bright tinfold, of mobile jet. Pale flounder waver by tilting silver, in the shallows, agile minnows flicker glilt. Grape-blue mussels dilate life in pliant valves. Dual lunar globes of blobbish jellyfish glow milk-green. Eels twirl in wily spirals of elusive tails. Ardor lobsters ample darkly olive over shrewd claws. Down where sound comes blunt and wan like the bronze tone of a sunken gong. Aquatic Nocturne, Sylvia Plath. All right. I don't know if I'm going to do this okay. This looks like an old school rhymey scheme. So we'll just see how it sounds when I read it out loud. <clears throat> if you must hear the story of my turbulent gaze after waking... The march of my hours to hermit into a higher body, it is that whatever you put into the universe eventually returns. In our oneness of gift, we are eyes together, nerves together, affected together. If I've never told you how madly we share in the stars of how it was all founded for you, then let the longing for Arcturus be the gilding of our sleep. I know when your time was in its making, I was left to sing alone, unfed, to trample through a hundred layers of night, without the heart to hold my guard. If I had known all those days to listen deep into myself so that you would begin to hear me, 
I'd sooner soak the decibels of your cells into the exhale of my embrace. A scorning within is within, coming back to scorn. A rose quartz promise lifted into the world is the world coming back to surrender its love. Even after I took my health into the vineyard of hawks, I could not break myself from caring, but only to seek you, find you, whisper into your palm, you are not lost. You won't be lost. Look into the new moon. May, dear, Vang. V-A-N-G. M-A-I. D-E-R-V-A-N-G. That was interesting, yeah. Vang is not a Chinese name that I've ever heard before, and also the spacing was not as I would know it. So I'm very kind of interested because the the rhythm and the spacing, as long as the, I don't know the surname Vang, uh, May sounds Vietnamese, uh, so I'm a little curious there. <clears throat> okay. Isabel met an enormous bear. Isabel, Isabel did not care. The bear was hungry. The bear was ravenous. The bear's big mouth was cruel and cavernous. The bear said, Isabel, glad to meet you. How do, Isabel? Now, I'll eat you. Isabel, Isabel didn't worry. Isabel didn't scream or scurry. She washed her hands, good girl, and strained her hair up. Then Isabel quietly ate the bear up. Once in a night, as black as pitch, Isabel met a wicked old witch. The witch's face was cross and wrinkled. The witch's gums with teeth were eh, sprinkled. Ho, ho, Isabel, the old witch crowed. I'll turn you into an ugly toad. Isabel, Isabel, didn't worry. Isabel didn't scream or scurry. She showed no rage. She showed no rancor. She turned the witch into milk and drank her. Isabel met a hideous giant. Isabel continued self-reliant. The giant was hairy. The giant was horrid. He had one eye in the middle of his forehead. Good morning, Isabel, the giant said. I'll grind your bones and make my bread. But Isabel, Isabel, didn't worry. And Isabel didn't scream or scurry. She nibbled at the swieback that she always fed off, and when it was gone, she cut the giant's head clean off. Isabel met a troublesome doctor. He punched and he poked till he really shocked her. The doctor's talk was of cough and chills, and the doctor's satchel was burgled. With pills, the doctor said unto Isabel, Swallow this, it will make you well. But Isabel, Isabel didn't worry, and Isabel didn't scream or scurry. She took the pills from the pills concocted, and Isabel calmly cured the doctor.
Adventures of Isabel by Ogden Nash. Well, that was a very, very, very interesting <laughs> We've got one more. <clears throat> Did I say it was the last one? Because I lied. I often lie, and now I did again. I lie. Did you trust me? Ha, 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 ha. I got you. By lying. <clears throat> the wind was a torrent of darkness among the gusty trees. The moon was a ghostly galleon tossed upon cloudy seas. The road was a ribbon of moonlight over the purple moor. The highwaymen came riding. Right. Oh, no, we've done this poem so many fucking times before. I'm so sorry. We've done Highwaymen like three times before. He's writing, he's writing, and then he's writing no more. And there's no way. It's very good. So, I'm so sorry. We've just done it so many times. <laughs> and it's... He's... The Highwayman's always a ride, a ride, right up until he's not. Oh, I'm so sorry. He's the gingerbread man of romantic poems. He really is. It's the same kind of thing going on with that one. So, apologies. Does anybody want me to say their name before I move on? Kind of a weird vibe on the show tonight. I know. Everyone's dying. I'm in a good mood. Think about pizza so I don't die as quick as the rest of you. <laughs> well, someone shouted their name, so. Victoria, thank you so much for coming out. Victoria, Victoria, Victoria. <gasps> Chastity, thank you for coming out. I appreciate you very much, Chastity. So it's like... Delilah, but it's just Lila, Lila. It's been wonderful seeing you around. Thanks for coming out. <laughs> Please, if you have any requests for a quick quote before I get into the rest of it, put it right on out there. Sierra, always good and wonderful to see you, Sierra. You're so good to me and the other girls. <sighs> Baby girl. Catherine, it's been lovely to meet you. Thanks for coming out tonight, Catherine. Candace, I've always loved the name Candace. Thank you for coming out. Keisha, it's a lovely name. <laughs> nice to finally meet you, Keisha. I'm a lucky boy that I get to lean into a microphone, say names of cute girls, have them smile and wave at me. Pretty cool gig, huh? Thanks for making it possible. <laughs> This is a strange one, but I definitely don't want to end on it. So this will be the love letter that we start off with. Okay? <clears throat> Sally Berger. If you took the number of subatomic particles in the universe and multiplied that number times itself that many times and then added the number of microseconds since the beginning of time times itself, and then added 803, you would still 
only have the tiniest fraction of a billionth billionth percent of the amount of love I have for you. Love. Your candle partner. The romantic Mr. Carlin. Your eternal flame. Letter from comedian George Carlin to his wife, Sally Wade. Sweet, huh? Never never knew that George Carlin uh, talked about uh, his wife like that. George Carlin. Yeah. <clears throat> My darling Clemmy, in your letter from Madras, you wrote some words very dear to me about having enriched your life. I cannot tell you what pleasure this gives me because I always feel so overwhelmingly in your debt. If there can be accounts in love what it has been to me to live all these years in your heart and companionship, no phrases can convey. Time passes swiftly, but it is not joyous to see how great and growing is the treasure we have gathered together amid the storms and stresses of so many eventful and millions of tragic and terrible years. I am so devoured by egotism that I would like to have another soul in another world and meet you in another setting and pay you all the love and honor of the great romances. Sweet cat, I kiss your vision as it rinses before my mind. Your dear heart throbs often in my own. God bless you, darling, keep you safe. And sound. I love you more each month that passes, and I feel the need of you and your beauty. I wish I could see you and your kiss and your sweet face. Do not grieve for me too much. I am a spirit confident of my rights. Death is only an incident, and not the most important which happens to us in this state of being. On the whole, especially since I met you, my darling one, I have been happy, and you have taught me how a noble woman's heart can be. Fondest love, your husband. Love letter from Winston Churchill to his wife, Clementine. Whew. <clears throat> Sip of water. Livy, dear, even if you prove to me that you have blemishes you think you have, it cannot appall me any, because with them you will still be better and nobler and lovelier than anyone I have ever known. I will help you to weed out your faults when they are revealed to me, but don't you be troubled about the matter, for you have harder task before you, which is helping me weed out mine. Let me pay my due homage to your worth. Let me honor you above all others. Let me love you with a love that knows no doubt, no question. For you are my world, my life, my pride, my all of earth that is worth the having. 
Let us hope and believe that we shall walk hand in hand down the lengthening highway of life, one in heart, one in impulse, and one in love. Bearing each other's burdens, sharing each other's joys, soothing each other's griefs. What will we lose of youth? What will we make up in love so that the account is squared and that nobody is disadvantaged? I love you, my darling, and this my love will increase step by step as tooth by tooth falls out, mile stoning by my way down the great mystery and the sweet by and by. Whatsoever she was, there was Eden. I am so proud of my privilege in writing, my dearest girl, in the world wherever I please, that I must add a few lines to only say, I love you. For I do love you, as the dew loves the flowers, as the birds love the sunshine, as the wavelets love the breeze, as the mothers love the firstborn, as the memory of old faces, as the yearning tides love the moon, as the angels love the pure in heart. Take my kiss and my benediction, and try to be reconciled to the fact that I am yours forever. Love Letter From Mark Twain to Olivia Lagden I don't think she helped in working out his faults. I think he was correct there. The Mr. Clemens was correct when he said that she had a harder task getting his faults out than hers. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was a coot, but he was a self-aware fucking coot. All right. My favorite... Mark Twain quote. I'm probably going to get a little bit wrong, but um, never get into a fight with a man who buys writer's ink by the barrel. <laughs> that's so, f that's so much more fucking baller of a thing to say than virtually like any hero or gen like there's a lot of general quotes or, you know, hero quotes in, in history for battles and what have you. As far as I'm concerned, that's a way better don't fuck with me than any of them have ever said. Can you imagine Samuel Clemens saying that fucking shit to you, just looking you in the eye like, you sure you want to go with me, son? <laughs> there is a shitty, horrible, I want to say Star Trek The Next Generation. It could even be worse than that. Where they, where they meet... Mark Twain, isn't it? Data, isn't it? Data and Mark Twain. Somebody out there's a nerd that knows. Is it Data and Mark Twain? Is it Picard and Mark Twain? Am I just imagining that? Because I can just see that shitty episode if it wasn't actually made of the next generation of Picard going, I don't know what to do. I can't really do a good Picard. Maybe I should just get into the reading. Maybe you're not here for the commentary. You're just here for the voice. Just shut up and read. I don't blame you after all the sci-fi last week. Mm. All right, we're going to read this. I'm a, I'm a little uncertain as to... We may have to make a new rule with submissions. 
not because anyone's doing anything wrong, but just for my benefit. If something is meant to be funny <laughs> for porn, I think we may have to label that when you submit it, you guys, <laughs> because I'm having trouble finding out. Like, I don't read these things beforehand, and I don't get a warning, and so I just kind of, like, I segment it. So I put all the love letters in the middle, I put all the poetry at the beginning, I put all the porn at the end, and I don't read them, right? I come in cold. This is This is... <laughs> this is me doing cold readings, and I like that. I like that format. My eyes are closed right now, and I'm trying not to laugh. Because I've looked through the porn stories that I have right now, just just the first paragraph and the length and what have you, and I don't know if any of them are supposed to be fucking serious. So, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. I might be laughing at really good porn here, but... <clears throat> It's just, <laughs> I'm going to read the first line, and then you tell me if you think that this is going to be serious or not. Let's just go with the girls that are here. I'm sorry, girls that are home. Here we are. Here's the first line, verbatim. Here we go. <clears throat> Moments later, he heard the telltale sign of heavily armed and armored men trying to move stealthily through the trees. You think it's supposed to be funny? <laughs> then we'll keep it for the end. All right, we'll keep that for the end. Because I just got to say, I just got to say, <laughs> the name of that one is Ancient Magic? And that makes me real nervous with that first sentence. Also, I mean, just real quick, just real quick, guys. No story has ever begun moments later. That makes me so nervous. I can't begin to tell you how nervous the story begins with moments later. No story's begun with moments. The story begins wherever you begin it, assholes. If the story began right before the story began, that's on you. You fucked up. Did the story begin right before that? Because if it did, that's where you begin the story. This is one of the things I hate the most, especially in TV comedies. I can't stand it. Where somebody will be like walking around and then they'll be like, yeah, that's me. You're probably wondering how I got here. Oh. No, never once, never once in my life have I ever wondered how anybody got anywhere, and if they did, I asked them immediately. Do you know how hard it is to make a story about somebody's life interesting? Interesting people have, lo have movies made about their lives all the time, and they're hideously boring. And we know they're interesting before we even start watching their shitty fucking lives. So it's actually very difficult. I've never wondered, but also, start the story there. If this is a story about how you got hit by a car, and now you're working at a law firm, start the story with you getting hit by the fucking car. Don't start the story at the law firm, asshole. I can't stand it. I can't. Don't worry, I'm going to get hit by a car, but don't worry about it. I'm at the law firm. That's the important part. Then why is the car in the fucking story? Moments later. What happened before? He's going to tell us when we get back to the story. It's making it more interesting. 
So we're going to find out what happened before people moved to a tree. I know he's trying to make it sound cool, but the only thing that we discovered is that something happened and then people moved to a tree. <laughs> All right. Got it out. Maybe I shouldn't have caffeinated. See, here's the thing. If the teriyaki chicken was good, maybe I'd just be reading that story right now. You hear, you hear me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I accept that. as If there wasn't a COVID-19 thing going on right now, maybe I'd just be talking about pizza. My dick. Maybe I'd be asking if anybody wanted to do phones. Do you hear me? In the same way Mitch McConnell stops me from seeing your tits sometimes, the stress of this world is stopping you from getting the best versions of me. It's a two-way street. It's really, really... Here's the thing. This is true. Before I try and get into the next porn piece, I know that you're going to feel me this way, women. I know you are. I very rarely think that. But I know you're going to relate to me. I'm very horny. I'm a little anxious, okay? They do feed into each other, right? <laughs> I don't know why, but they do. Like, oh, we're going to die. Might as well use this. Right? We kind of had it on standby, I guess. And now it's like, oh, fuck. It's our last chance. It's melting ice cream. So I'm kind of horny and I'm kind of anxious. And I'm flirting with kind of horny, kind of anxious women. And then we'll get to like a certain point where it's all like, you want to masturbate together? You know, however you say that, like, there's different ways to like broach it. Like, do you want to fucking masturbate together? Like, however you want to get into it. And I've been trying, I've been experimenting with it the last couple of months with fans that were brave enough, but also just women I've been chatting up on the internet because there's more of them every day. <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I'm just, you know, like I'm getting there and I'm having fun. Away. And I'm just like the last two or three weeks I've been so stressed with the news that the women will be all like, oh my God, you're so funny and you're so interesting and I'm so naked and I just want to have... And I'll be like, thank you so much. Go away. And I'm just going to go masturbate to internet porn now because I don't have to have an emotional connection to it. Because if I don't feel like it halfway through, I can just stop. I can walk away. I can fucking make myself some tea. I can just switch it up. I can't do that with you. I'm not about... I don't enjoy the thing I'm about to confess. I got a gal and she really, 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 really wanted to show herself off for me. Like, re like she pushed hard. Like, can we get on cam? Can we you don't have to get on cam. Can I get on cam for you? Can I get on cam? I want to get on cam for you. Can I cam Here's another picture of me with my face with a, with a heart-eyed cat over my face. You didn't ask for it. Here it is. Here's another one. Here's another one. And, like, she was nice. So I said, fuck yes, of course. You're naked. You're hot. You want to be naked for me? What the fuck? Why not? That's what I'm supposed to do, right? It's what the therapist keeps yelling at me. And so she was just, like, so into me telling her what to do so that she could look good for me. She was so into me, like, do this for me, now do that for me. And I did it, but I got to say, even before we got to the basics of, like, 
turn around and bend over. I was just going through the motions. I was just straight up just all like, yeah, put your hands against the wall. Ooh, that's hot. And I was thinking about like, you know, if you took the Chick-fil-A sandwich and then you took some donuts and you put them around it. <laughs> what if I what if what if I if I if I go to Chick-fil-A and I order just two patties or, or two sandwiches and I throw the buns away and then I go to Krispy Kreme and I buy four donuts can I put the Chick-fil-A patties between the Now what I need you to do is spread that fucking pussy for daddy. Can I take the fucking patties and put them in between donuts and then I can technically say that I never had a KFC donut sandwich before but I'll get to try it oh man we need the sugar glaze all right get that fucking glass toy out there come on fuck it fuck it fuck it fuck it fuck it fuck it I said fuck it I said fuck it and I don't really know where I'm gonna be able to get that so maybe I should just go to KFC. I don't like going to KFC. When's the last time anyone ever said go to a KFC and it wasn't an insult? So I... So I... 100%... I'm trying... So I said it. I don't think the person was being mean. I'm not offended or anything. I just want to bring it up. A live person said, I'm accepting more nudes like my therapist said. And then the person said, accept nudes like your therapist said, like a joke, like, a, like, like sarcastically, like, oh, sure they did. I can't begin to tell you that I'm now on therapist two in a row. That's just like, I'm not sure you're trying to get better if you're not accepting pictures of women's pussies like two now they're they've both been men let's be clear i don't know if a woman would quite bring it up like that but i now have two men are like bro 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 naked women are fucking sending you pics and you're not on that bro are you even trying bro are you even trying to get better bro that's what we do here bro we get your dick to work, and then we get your dick to work. That's what you're paying for. <sighs> That's not bad, right? So you write that down. That was pretty good for ad-libbed. <laughs> uh, so, I just... I think I think all of the porn is not real porn now that I'm looking at the title of the second porn. I did all that so I could get out of the joke porn. My, I swear to Christ, I did all that so I can get rid of the goofies. I think this one's a bad porn too from the title. The title is excerpt from the Dear Professor Pervert. So I'm almost positive that's not a serious one. All right. Is this one serious? Is it just all fake porn now? Is that all you guys like? Alright. <clears throat> uh, here's number three. I got three things of porn tonight. Thank Christ. Thank you to everybody who submitted something. 
Well, I don't know if this is serious either. Here we go. <clears throat> Furious. I yanked at the door of the washing machine open and pulled my clothes from it, piling them into the washer immediately to the left. Okay, that sounds serious. When I finished, I slammed the door to the first machine before walking angrily, I think she's mad, over to the vending machine where you can buy individual laundry detergents for 50 cents. It had been a long, shitty day. And to pile all of my clothes in the washing machine that turned out to be broken for almost more than I could take. All right, I, I, I feel empathy. I was alone in the laundromat and slamming doors and kicking chairs out of my way. As I walked back to the washing machine, it felt good. It was an easy way to get out some of my stress. Back at my... I'm just telling you right now that if I kicked a chair and screamed at a washing machine, like laundromat, like a public one, that would be two to three days of not getting out of bed. Just pure shame. I would just be in bed the entire time going, You're a monster. You fucking Hulk. You're a monster. You piece of shit. How dare you live there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm real sensitive about my anger these days. I get angry a little bit, and then I'm just, like, bawling my eyes out later. All right. Back at the washer, I shut the door hard, too, <laughs> and put the soap on the top of the machine. Wow, this woman's really into her kinetic energy. When I attempted to toss the empty box into the trash, I overshot the bucket, infuriating me all over again. Fuck! I yell into the empty room, <laughs> overreacting at the missed shot. <laughs> I headed over to pick up the box from the floor and physically jumped in surprise to see a man on the other side of the washing machines Loading his laundry into the dryer. How had I not known he was there? Immediately, I was embarrassed, and I mumbled an apology. Wow, I would definitely not say anything at that point. <laughs> at that point, I'm just going for new clothes. <clears throat> Leave them. They're gone. <laughs> We're starting over in a new town. It's okay. The man said gruffly and bent to pick up the box I was about to retrieve. When he was close enough to hand me the box, I could smell the liquor on him. For some reason, I felt a little better. Rough day, girl. He asked me as I tossed the box away and smiled a little. Judgmental fucking bitch. I was on her side, too. What the fuck? He's at a laundromat. You don't know how he got there. He's allowed to drink? <clears throat> yeah, you could say that. Just long and filled with all kinds of shit. I muttered, thinking about the double shift I had just worked at the restaurant, the lack of tips I had just received from a large table of lives, and the fact that I was scheduled to work another double tomorrow to cover for an irresponsible co-worker. Anyway, I said to the man, who appeared to be in his 30s, probably about 10 years older than I, I'm sorry I lost my temper. I didn't mean to make so much noise and stuff. I let my voice trail off, not sure what else to say. Don't worry about it, kid. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's 30 and fucking old as fuck. Don't worry about it, kid. 
You're sexy as hell when you're angry like that. I think we got our answer. I think it's all bad porn tonight. <laughs> He's old so he can buy booze. And he thinks I'm sexy and we're alone. Oh, shit. This is really all a... T Man, how did I not get laid in high school? It obviously was not that hard. You're sexy as hell when you're angry like that. He's glancing at me appreciatively and throwing me completely off guard. I'm, but what? I stammered, completely surprised that this man would be so forward and really unsure how to respond. You look surprised, the man said to me, seeming surprised at this. <laughs> It's all your aggression, the ferocity of your face. He paused for a moment, then continued, You look like you're craving a good, hard fuck. <laughs> this is not how my laundromat visits go. Am I supposed to just be hitting on women? Harvey Weinstein died for this. He was matter-of-fact about it, and I could feel myself blushing, partly because nobody had ever spoken to me like that before, and partly because, as much as I hated to admit it, it was true. I wondered what he thought of me at that moment, with my dark brown hair up in a sloppy ponytail, and me looking like a stressed-out mess. I was wearing the only thing that was clean in my apartment, a pair of comfortable worn-in jeans and an old, thin, white tank top. It had my black bra on underneath, you know, the one, and I knew it was showing through, but I didn't care. I figured he couldn't tell that I didn't have on any panties. They'd simply all been dirty in the clothes basket. Yeah, that stops you. Oh, yeah, I know women. That stops women. Yeah, yeah, dirty panties. That stops you from putting a fucking pair on and going to the laundromat. That's how that fucking works. <laughs> if there's one thing I know about women, it's that you'll go commando outside the fucking house wearing jeans to the laundromat. <laughs> All of this was flashing through my head, and my thoughts were only broken when he asked me another question. I bet you just want to get on the cock and ride yourself to a good hard come, don't you, girl? He asked. I surprised myself by answering quickly. And honestly, actually, buddy, I said, attitude creeping into my voice, that's where you're wrong. I don't want to get up on and ride because that's simply too much effort. <laughs> my voice was calm, even though I was screaming inside my head, wondering what the hell I was doing, discussing with this with some guy in a laundromat. What I really need is for someone to just take control, you know, just bend me over and fuck me hard. Make me take it. Make me come. Make me forget about how fucking shitty this day was. This time, it was he who seemed surprised.
as he looked at me, clearly wondering if I was serious or just dicking him around. It was me that laughed this time. I'm not kidding. I laughed. Oh, I'm going to leave that there and go to the next paragraph. I bent over to pick up my laundry basket. And almost instantly, before I could straighten up again, I could feel the man behind me. <laughs> oh, shit. Like a horror movie. Oh, fuck. I don't just mean I could sense his presence. <laughs> or tell that he moved closer. No. I mean that I could literally feel him standing behind me. He was so close that his pelvis was pressed against my ass, and I felt the heat rise to my cheeks as I felt his dick twitch through his pants. I was surprised to feel his hand at the back of my head, even more so when he grabbed my ponytail and pulled, ordering me, without words, to straighten back up. I left my laundry basket on the floor as I stood, and when I was standing up straight again, he released my ponytail and turned me around, so I was facing him. Once again, I could smell the hint of alcohol in his breath, and I looked him at and wondered if he were drunk. Yeah. I noticed other things that in that quick moment, too, that he was a good-looking guy. He was tanned. It dark brown eyes. It's some stubble. It's just a couple of days since I stayed. Slash shave. He stood there. It's a couple inches from my teeth. He's grinning. And I couldn't help but grin back. His smile was a combination of little boy mischief and pure male lust. Paired with a little bit of devilishness. That was more suggestive than any smile I'd ever seen in my life. And as I took him in, whew, she is young if she thinks that's what it means, and stood there with my hands firmly gripping the shoulders, I knew that he had listened to what I had said and that he intended to follow through. This scared me for a split second. But even more than that, it excited me. I could feel myself getting wet. I love the fact that she talked about what she needed and getting fucked and had a dick up against her and she's all like dry. <laughs> but she looks back and she sees he's cute and she's all like, hey, you're not the average wino. <clears throat> he must have seen the brief flash of fear in my eyes, and I also noticed that it was faded away because he grinned again, and he said in that low voice, Little girl, you don't know what you've gotten yourself into. I think she does. I think she's gotten herself into birthday at a Sizzler's with a coupon. I tried to think of a flippant response, but had no time, because suddenly his hands on my shoulders were pushing me down, pushing me down. Until I was on my knees in front of him, realizing that he wanted, I licked my lips in anticipation, having been craving a cock in my mouth for months since my last boyfriend and I had broken up. He noticed and laughed. You better do a damn good job then, girl. We warned, tugging my ponytail loose and wrapping one hand in... You're doing it backwards! You put your hair in the ponytail before the blo- God damn it. He's too drunk to teach you. Wrapping up my hand in my hair while he undid the jeans with the other. Tugging on my hair was turning me on even though I thought it would. 
and was straining against the grip, trying to get closer to him as he pulled down his jeans and boxes in one quick motion. As his cock sprang free, I opened my mouth eagerly and sucked in the head, swirling my tongue around it, savoring the feeling of finally having a man in my mouth again. Oh my God, this is such a paragraph. Get ready, guys. We're going to go through this one quick. Ready? His dick was bigger than Ant ever had a realization that came to me when I sucked on it in an attempt to please him while easing myself into the blowjob. I reached up and gripped the base of his shaft with one hand so that I could jerk him off with my mouth and only to tackle him the first few inches of my cock. I savored it going slow and then speeding up a little until suddenly the guy slapped my hand away hard. Nice try, girl, he said harshly, but I don't want a fucking hand job. I want to use that pretty little mouth song of that dick, and if you can't do it on your own, then I'm going to help you. He didn't sound mad exactly, but it was clear to me that he knew what he wanted, so I tried to take him a little bit deeper. He was so big and thick, though, that I struggled and he uncle back down again almost immediately. I was sucking hard on the head of his dick, eliciting a groan from him when, without warning, his hand tightened around my hair and he pushed me back forward, forcing me to take a little bit more of the half-cock all at once. I felt along my throat stretching almost instantly. I was gagging. My throat constricted around him and pulled me back off his cock just as forcibly as he pushed me back forward, letting me focus again on just the head. I caught my breath in one big gasp of air and then he was pushing me forward again. This time I took another inch before gagging hard. Once again he pulled me back. Again I grasped for breath. Again he pushed me forward. I gagged around the thickness a third time and I could feel my pussy clenching, clenching, my clit throbbing for attention. It occurred to me, as he was mercifully pulling away from his cock again, that the feeling of being forced to swell was turning me on. He seemed to read my mind because of laughing and pushing me forward again, saying, You like that little girl, don't you? You like that? And when I make you choke on my big cock, don't you? It makes me hot. It was good enough for him, though, and it wanted me to actually answer him. He jerked my head away and pulled me hard. Answer me, little girl. You like having me to fuck your little throat like this? He used my hair and tilted my head forward to make me look up at him. My eyes were wandering, my throat was spasming, but a little garbled yes and shot by the plunging out forward and swallowing the whole cock on my own. I could hear him groaning above me, even as I gagged his words and his silent effect on me. The sound of the back of my throat against his head of the cock, feeling my lips against his crotch. He tried to put me back forward as I breathed, but I didn't want to. I love the feeling of a feeling in my throat. The tug to the hair harder, harder still, until finally I had to obey. Back off, feeling his cap tingle from the pulling. I guess for air, surprised to realize I didn't really need it so badly, and then forced me back on his neck hard, caused me to gag again in surprise and moan and pleasure. I reached up with my hand, squeezing his balls while I still took the cock deep in my throat. I stuck my tongue out from the base of his dick and it teased the edge of my balls with it, causing his hand to tighten my hair while his chest drifted forward, ground my dick deeper, deeper, making me feel like I would actually swallow it. Suddenly, with all the urgency, he pulled me away again, hard, this time all the way off his cock. He stuck a little there, still kneeling, while all the way he took down the surprise. He was breathing heavy until I realized he must have been almost made him come. That's when he made him stop, almost gone away. Looking <laughs> surprised and immensely pleased. Still using my hair to direct me, he pulled me to my feet until I was standing in front of him. He turned me around so that my back was to him and pulled me tight against him. I could feel his hard cock pulsing against my ass through my jeans. One hand still in my hair, he jerked my head to the side a little, making me tilt in, exposing my neck. Instantly, his mouth was on it, kissing and sucking. When he nibbled a little bit, I let out a small moan, and then he bit me harder, just below my ear, causing my knees to almost buckle with the pleasure and pain mixed together. Mm, You like that, girl, when I bite you? He asked in his low voice while his hands squeezed my breast over my shirt. All this, and he's just kissing her neck. And fondling her through her fucking clothes. All this and we're just at fucking neck kisses in first base. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I started to protest, mentioning that we were in a public building. 
but my words turned into a groan when he bit down hard on my collarbone, causing me to involuntarily grind back into him. It was almost one in the morning. It was just me and him. I thought about arguing more, but my good sense told me that I should, but he kissed my neck hard and dragged his teeth up to my earlobe. My good sense went out the window. He was biting my ear and then teased it with his tongue, and then he unhooked my bra and let it fall to the floor near my shirt. As soon as it was gone, his hands replaced it, my fingers immediately finding the swollen nipples and squeezing them. He wasted no time with being gentle, pinching and tugging at them as I ground against him. I yelped when he pulled them both hard, causing them to pinch them hard too, and even though the pain I could feel my pussy getting soaked as my body craved more. Oof, I don't know. I think we got the fun out of this one. I think we got the fun out of this one, and I'm going to call it here because it's just very, very descriptive from here on in. So I apologize if somebody, apologize if somebody meant this one as serious, but it's just dense paragraph after dense physical paragraph like that one. Uh, I don't know if that was meant to be serious or not. Apologies. I really I didn't mean to. Going forward, if we can put the funny on the funny, uh, that would help us out a great deal. Uh, I did enjoy that one. Hopefully you enjoyed the auctioneer paragraph, but there's just so many more dense paragraphs like that. I can't really keep having fun with it. So we're going to skip on to the next one. Quick little sip of water. <clears throat> okay. Assignment number four. Bring yourself to orgasm without using your fingers. Hands. Vibrator. Or other sex toy. Record the experience in your masturbation journal. Follow the usual guidelines. Your last submission showed much improvement. The use of imagery and language was excellent. Keep up those good work. Sincerely, Professor Pervert. I click the closed mail and smile. The professor probably thinks this is going to be a challenge, but... I came up with the answer ten years ago, back when I was in college, the first time around. Doing a no hands is actually pretty easy. You bunch yourself on your pillow. You straddle it like a lover. You work your hips just so, and you play with your nipples, it feels great. And plus, you get a good core workout. Of course... I'll be required to confess that I'm bringing prior experience to the assignment, but I figure I can make up the lost points with some extra steamy journal entry. I was pretty inhibited in the beginning, and the professor's right. I am improving. For the record, I feel like every woman knows that you can just get, like, a vibration orgasm, and that's, like, one of the first ones you can get. And growing up, the joke was is that women discovered their sexuality sitting on top of washing machines. So I really don't know what this woman's fucking on about, but all right, let's go with it, baby. <coughs> I stroll over to the linen closet and take out a towel. Today, I have about two hours to complete the assignment and write... Ooh, that's strict. If I don't hand my paper into his inbox by 9 p.m. London time, there will be penalties. Afterwards, I'll just have just enough time to shower and get to campus for my real summer school class, the 20th century British novel. <sighs> All right, we may have to do another rule. Uh, no torture porn. I pull off my oversized t-shirt and shimmy out of my panties. Totally naked. Above. And below, that's what I'll write under. What are you wearing in the journal? It's just a joke because I, I think American literature is better than English. That's all. It's just a joke. Settle down. 
Because 20th century English novel would be torture. That's all. It's just a joke. You try fucking reading Finnegan's Wake. <clears throat> I guess that would be Irish, huh? But he was in England. Next, I fold the pillow and wrap it in the towel. I always get very juicy when I'm doing it for the professor. I stretch out on the bed and push the pillow between my legs, resting my elbows to allow for good access to my breasts, which dangle like cones of white wisteria tinted tender pink at the tips. The professor will love that. He specializes in the romantic poets and is partial to nat. Imagery. I note the time on the clock above my bed and then cross my arms and begin to caress my breast. My right hand cupping my left tit, my left hand stroking my right. My nipples feel soft and satiny and more sensitive than when I'm lying on my back, my usual position for self-pleasuring. I push my hips into the pillow, grimacing at the nubby textures of the towel against my tender slit. Maybe this isn't the answer. After all, <laughs> think, Tina, think. The answer will come. It's the professor's voice, smooth and deep, guiding me ever onward to new achievements. I close my eyes and think. A man steps from the melting red shadows from behind my eyelids and stands at the bottom of my bed. His gaze fixed on my naked ass. I can feel it as bright and hot as a spotlight. I squirm involuntarily at that sweet, achy sensation of longing floods my belly. What he thinks and feeling as he watches a horny slut masturbate just for him. I begin to hump the pillow with slow, rhythmic thrusts. I can make out the man's face more clearly now. The lush, curly brown hair, the wire-rimmed Russian revolutionary glasses. He is young, only two years older than I am and not even tenured yet, but he has enough of a snotty academic air that I yearn to rub away at the smug composure of the envied jerk of my hips. I want him so jealous of this pillow that he'll start to beg me to let him take his place between his legs. I pause mid-thrust and sigh. The sensation still isn't intense enough to bring me off. It might work if I could use my fingers to spread my labia, get direct friction on my clit. But of course, the assignment specifically forbids it. Ladies, I know you can open up your pussy lips by spreading your knees apart. And shake it. <laughs> I know you can do it. <laughs> do you know you can do it? I pause mid thrust and sigh. This is, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> He's not. <laughs> I'm going to read this the way she wrote it. I know you have it in you, Tina. Push a little harder. Show me how naughty you are deep inside. Yes, Professor, I whisper into the air. I do not want him to see me 
not just my flesh, but my darker, deeper places. The room shifts. The morning light filters through the curtains, and it turns to a harsh, fluorescent buzz. Steel prison bars bisect the room, and my bed becomes a cot covered with a rough gray blanket. I'm still humping a pillow. My bare buttocks aim straight up at the bars, but the audience has expanded tenfold. A carefully selected squad of prisoners has been brought here to watch my oversexed girl get herself off without using her hands. It's not clear if this is a reward or a punishment for these hardened criminals. I know the guards are sadists. They've told me that if I don't come this way in the 20 minutes, the whole crew of correctional officers will get to fuck me on the sagging sofa in their employee lounge in the ascending order of cocksize. <laughs> they, they warned me with a leer that the biggest one, Harry the Horse, has a dick that would put a baseball bat to shame. The stakes are definitely higher now. I rock my hips faster against the damp towel. The prisoners' eyes bore into my flesh. They're bad guys. Lifers. They haven't had a woman in decades. There's off howls of frustration ricochet off the concrete walls. With a fearful glance over my shoulder, I see their huge, swollen cocks are protruding from their, f from their flies. Some pump themselves frantically. Heedless of the grinning guard, one pushes himself through the bars, fucking the air, as if he can enter me that way if he tries hard enough. Boys, you've got five minutes to finish your business, then back to your seal. The guard barks, and then his voice turns to sugar with a touch of poison. You too, sweetheart. Five minutes, or else you know what we've got waiting for you. Again, I'm writing this the way it was written. I've seen enough assholes in this joint. Make her flip over and show us her cunt. A hoarse voice grumbles. I hear a crack in the fist landing in the flesh, a bellow of pain. What you see is what you get. The men moan and grunt like beasts as they hurry to empty their balls. My head is bursting with lewd sounds, the rasp of dick flesh being rubbed in split moistened fists with rhythmic knocking of hips against bars that keep me cruelly out of their reach. <laughs> One man stands, eyes narrowed, arms crossed, his fly firmly zipped. He is watching me, and he also watches them watching me. It's the professor. Even in this place, as far away from twinning ivy as you can get, he's still the one in control. 
My nipples are as hard as little pebbles now. And when I flick them with my fingers, electric jolts jump straight into my pussy. I'm gyrating like a stripper, sliding my cunt down over the pillow, then jerking back up like my ass is tethered to a spring. Though I'm usually quiet when I masturbate, I realize I'm making sounds too. Deep grunts and heart bellows to harmonize with the bang, bang of the headboard against the wall. But I'm going to make it in time. I can feel the orgasm begin to grow, a throbbing not in my gut. The prisoners are right there with me. With a collective groan, they shoot their wads through the bars, spraying my ass with a sizzling fountain of spunk. The odor fills my nostrils. Hay mixes with something harsh and tinny, the naseless, naughtiest smell on earth. It's all I need to push me over the edge. I ride my pillow like a bucking bronco, screaming myself hoarse as I climax, each contraction harder and sweeter than before, and as the spasms fade to a flutter, I check the clock. Length of session. Twenty minutes from start to finish. I collapse face down on the bed and listen to my pounding heart. So far, so good, but it's just the beginning. It's never really over till the professor gives me my final grade. <laughs> Pam and I had a lot in common. We were both education majors with a minor in English lit. We both worked weekends at Chez Jacqueline. And of course, she was 21. I was eight years older and far too worldly wise to gush over an attractive young assistant professor. Those must be his patients, I said, eyeing the other members of his party, a slim, well-dressed older woman with graying hair guys who looked more or less the same like the professor with 30 years on him. Chez Jackie was the best restaurant in town, and we often waited on teachers and their families. Really? The best restaurant and the teachers are going there? I don't know, man. I was curious to see how Perkins would act on his off-duty. In class, he was affable, but no innocence forgot about the extension on the paper from him. To my surprise, he was positively charming in the candlelit glow of the dining room. He remembered my name and introduced me to his folks with a jaunty, Tina's without question one of my best students this semester. I know Pam gave you a free dessert when you said her last name last week, Professor, but I'm a tougher nut to crack. I grinned at his dad, who winked back. His mom smiled. What the fuck? We were just in a prison fucking. We were just in a prison. Now she's meeting mom and dad. What the fuck? Mom smiled too and did a little back and forth glance between her son and me that made it clear that the professor wasn't currently attached. This is the most fantastical thing about this fucking story so far. <laughs> Mom's immediately throwing her fucking eligible professor at a fucking hostess. <laughs> but mom was hoping he might find a nice girl soon and possibly might be yours truly which almost made me laugh out loud because I was far too busy getting my life back together than to waste time lusting after my professor okay so I did so occasionally let my mind wander during class I pictured the professor naked and try and guess what his cock looked like a wreck long and slender or thick and florid florid? ramrod straight or curved and left as my last PC professor should be once or twice, I even imagined what it would be like to ride him and watch his face as he comes. But I did that with every professor, including the old Silverbeards, and during really boring lectures, even a few of the women. 
But I should have remembered that Mom always knows best. I was heading back to the kitchen with a tray of dirty plates when Professor Perkins stopped me in the hallway by the restrooms. Excuse me, I know you're busy, he stammered, but I want to let you know that the final grades for your class yesterday. My stomach did a somersault! Why would I look so nervous unless he had bad news? Got an A on the midterm and very complimentary comments on my final paper. Your argument is tight and compelling. <sighs> this is a weird story. The professor smiled at me as if to read my thoughts. Don't worry, you did very well. I mention it because I'm now ethically allowed to ask you if you'd like to get coffee or something. Could it be that while I was fantasizing about Professor Perkins naked, he was returning the favor? Maybe I get to see what his cock looked like after all. This story is just going wherever it fucking wants to go. Every goddamn paragraph. Thanks, Professor. Actually, a bunch of us usually go to the tapas place for a drink for work around 11. If you'd like to join us tonight, if your mom and dad give you permission. He blushed. I was starting to like this shy guy's suitor side of him, but recovered quickly and he gave me a grin. I have to admit, I felt a little thrill watching him straddle back to his doting parents. Professor Perkins had me in his power all semester. I was going to turn the table. So I thought... Assignment number five. Go to a woman-friendly adult store south of campus. Ask a saleswoman for advice on anal toys. Confess your level of experience. Beginner, dabbler, veteran, ready for a challenge. Purchase an item she recommends as well as a bottle of lubricant. When you return home, insert the toy into your anus and masturbate. Record the experience for your masturbation journal. Follow the usual guidelines. Your last assignment earned A for the journey entry, which was nicely paced with evocative imagery. However, I gave you a B- minus for practical execution. The point of the exercise is for you to attempt something you haven't tried before. I expect you to obey this rule in the future. If you accumulate enough demerits, you will be disciplined appropriately. Sincerely, Professor Pervert. Ah, yes, assignment number five. That's why I'm here in the strange pose, sitting on my bed with my back against the headboard, my legs spread wide. It's the only position that lets me keep the butt plug in place while I diddle myself. Naturally, I bought the beginner's size, a flesh-colored silicon gadget about the size of my ring finger with a bulge in the middle like a swollen knuckle. The bottom flares out into a rectangular base to keep the device from slipping all the way inside. That's what the butch-looking salesman at the sex store explained to me. Fortunately, why'd you gotta be butch? Fortunately, buying the thing was not embarrassing as I feared. The woman was so nonchalant. Well, then you were a judgmental bitch, weren't you? It was just like being a lipstick instead of being an anal sex toy. That is, except at the very end when she handed me the brown paper bag and said, Enjoy! With a big grin, as if she could see exactly what I'd be doing with the purchase before the afternoon was through. Yes! Yes, you just asked her what you... You just asked for something to stick up your ass! She knows exactly what's going to be happening, correct? It's a good thing she found the professor. I'm not sure this woman has a lot of common sense. 
To be honest, I probably do make a lewd picture, as anyone could imagine. I'm dressed in the scarlet waist clincher and thigh highs I bought for assignment number three, which only accentuates all the bare, juicy parts of me. The air brushes my exposed pussy like coal fingertips, and my nipples are standing out stiff and red. Yet I can't say I'm all that turned on for the assignment yet. For one thing... I'm not sure I bought the right size plug. It was definitely a challenge pushing inside me. I was poking the slippery lubed up little thing all up my back creek for a full minute, but now that it's in there, I can hardly feel it. I'm more excited by the idea that I did a naughty thing just for the professor. Not that he's here to see me. Yet. I close my eyes and take a deep breath. Suddenly, the summer sunlight fades and the single green shade lamp glowing in the autumn dusk. I'm sitting on a leather sofa in the same slutty getup, legs open, asshole impaled on a strange little silicon bowling pin. Across from me sits the professor in a wing-back chair, flanked by tall bookcases jammed with erudite tomes. His eyes alone as he issues the command, Touch yourself, Tina, for me. My hands dip beneath my legs and I start to strum. My fingers makes a rude little clinching sound around my wench folds and I blush, knowing he hears and sees it all. Are you enjoying this? He asks, his voice soft as a silk scarf trailing over my naked flesh. Mm-hmm. Just yes. That's a vague answer. He snaps. I want you to be specific about what you find enjoyable. Is it the X-rated toy that you shoved up your ass so greedily, or the fact that I'm watching you masturbate? My throat constricts with shame, but I manage to choke out an answer. Indeed. I must say I'm enjoying myself as well, but I think we're both disappointed you brought me a small one. Next time, I want you to get me one of those long, fat monsters that made you cringe when you saw it on the shelf. While you're at it, give yourself a big dildo with veins and suction cup that sticks to a chair so that you can ride it, and another one for your mouth, too. You'd like that, wouldn't you? To be filled up, every little aching hole. Uh-huh. Shall I send you back to the store right now and tell that dyke you're enjoying your timid little butt plug very much, thank you, but you crave something bigger and nastier? My heart leaps in my chest. He laughs softly. Your cunt muscles contract very nicely when you're frightened, which gives me an idea for something we can do ready in this situation. At my command, I want you to squeeze your muscles around the toy as tightly as you can hold it until I tell you to release. Will you do that for me? I nod. All right, then. Squeeze. I clench the butt plug, panting softly. I'm staring to ache back there, but the professor only watches me squirm silently for what seems like an eternity. Finally, he deigns to utter the words that I'm desperate to hear, You may release. I breathe out. An intense tingling radiates from my asshole up through my torso, down through my shivering thighs. My jaw drops open in voluntary moan of pleasure. Spread your thighs a little wider. He orders coolly. It makes your pussy lips push out so I can see your little hole. You're so slick and swollen today, Tina. I think anal play agrees with you. Once more now, squeeze. 
face. I grip the toy again, gritting my teeth. And release. The professor is definitely on to something. My asshole's on fire, the flame shooting higher, licking at my throbbing clit. My finger dances over my stiff little girl cock, sticking out shamelessly. All my heart and hungry for the professor to see. I'm going to make it. I'm going to come in front of him with this obscene rubber toy jammed up my ass. <laughs> that is the craziest definition and description of a clit I've ever fucking heard in my fucking career. <laughs> I can't believe that that shit just appeared right at the fucking end of the story. What the fuck? May I have an professor? Of course, Tina. I always like to see my students bring their work to a satisfying conclusion. I would indeed like you to come, but only at the precise moment I give the order. Is that understood? Yes, Professor. Come for me, Tina! Now! With a grunt, I attack my clit with frantic jabs. <laughs> and squeeze the toy with all my might. And, oh, God, it's happening. A wave of burning heat flashes through my belly, erupting through my throat in a series of barking cries as my back brings against the headboard and my anus milks the butt plug to helpless rhythmic spasms. When it's over, I slide down onto the bed and pop my toy out, wrapping it in waiting tissue. Total time for this session, 35 minutes. In my journal entry, I tell the professor about his help, of course, but I'm not sure words will do justice. The quality of the orgasm, a detailed description, and a strict requirement for each assignment. It was definitely different. It seemed to start a deeper inside of me, a secret explosion tucked away against my spine. Yet there was something else I couldn't name, a hint of erotic spice and a familiar sweet. The only way we could really be sure is if I get a good grade, is to try it again and take more careful notes. I laugh to myself. Strange how my lover is thousands of miles away, but I'm having more and better sex than I've ever had in my life. I have been put through some shit tonight. <laughs> Pay me. Tell your friends about it. Review the podcast. Pay me, do the whole thing, all of it. We've got one more story here. I'm going to read Ancient Magic here. Or I'm going to try. Tell your friends, come out next Friday. Here we go. <clears throat> Moments later, he heard the telltale sounds of heavy armor and armored men trying to move stealthily through the trees. Oh, fuck. <clears throat> the Hoden warrior he had masqueraded as for so long growled at the undisciplined approach. Clearly, too much time in a backwater posting where nothing ever happened made the soldiers lazy. He had still been wearing his disgraced cloak. He would have taken stripes off his garrison commander's hide and demoted every mother's son to the commander's men 
to the disgraceful degree even the lowliest, poxiest camp followers would have outranked them. But tonight, he was grateful for the alarm they sent up as they came warily through the sacred grove. He could well imagine the sidelong looks that the soldiers shot through the trees, seeing hidden enemies everywhere, hands clenched on their weapons until their knuckle bones gleamed white through their skin, and their muscles shrieked with tension and fear. The first of the men broached the border of the trees, eyes fastened on their prize. Fools, they didn't even trouble to look above, around, or behind them. The interloper's eyes adjusted to the light. Vareth saw them focus on him. Spreading his arms wide, he bellowed, Attack! The clamor that rose from the melee was terrifying. Battle cries, shouts and screams melded with the thunk of blades into unprotected flesh as the clangor of iron and steel striking armor in an infernal wall of sound. For every partisan who fell, two more swept in, taking professional soldiers off their feet, ushering them brutally out of this world with savage efficiency. In moments, the sward of green between the trees and the temple was black with blood, glistening wetly in the moonlight. Vareth felt a tug at his sleeve and looked over to see Melody staring at him intently. We must go now, if we are complete right. Her voice was breathy and urgent with fear. He nodded, and they hurried together into the gloomy interior of the temple. He could barely discern the shadows of the sixth squadron in their hiding places, and touched his finger to his forehead to salute as they passed. Although he didn't want to revisit the devotional chamber again, he knew they had no choice if the right was to have any hope of working. All too soon, he began to smell the reek of mold and old blood from the room and realized they would have no clean place to lie if he didn't run back to get the cloak. Somehow, the thought appealed to a sense of ironic symmetry that he'd never realized he possessed. Using a Hoden cloak to protect themselves from the filth Hodens had left behind, while he and Melody coupled to recall their chief deity, Chargov, to purge the very invaders who had bestowed the cloak upon his seemingly curious fitting? <sighs> I have to go get the cloak. Wait right here. Don't go in without me, just in case. She kissed him hungrily but quietly. He had not run so fast in several years. <laughs> he was thoroughly winded by the time he returned. The fine black fabric crumbled in his fist. Breathlessly, he held the cloak aloft and drew his axe. Melody fell back a couple of steps as the broad blade whispered through the air and immediately divined her thinking and brought the axe towards his body in a guard position. Embarrassed at his thoughtlessness, he rasped, Follow me! The words burning as if catching in his throat, as much as he suddenly roaring desire for her as from the wind sprint he had run. A few strides down the dark hallway later, they entered the devotional room. She looked around, and on her face was a stark, sorrowful expression. Kneeling, she gently touched one of the large splotches in the floor. Here, we will perform the rite here to honor our fallen fathers. Varys smiled grimly, as you wish. Laying the cloak down on the cool, filthy stone floor, he sat atop the cloak and opened his mouth to ask what happened next. 
Before words could pass his lips, Melody launched herself on top of him, pressing her body to him, kissing him so intently he felt as if their souls were entwining. She tore at his delicate black silk of his shirt, ripping it cleanly away. The moment of her bodice she peeled off, and she pressed herself to him, her soft breast fattening against his chest and making his skin tingle everywhere her hot flesh touched him. All the while she kissed him as if her soul depended on not losing contact, stroking herself against him in a slow, sinuous rhythm. Her hands sought out the ties of his trousers and fumbled at them, unlacing them enough to allow her to delve inside. His first brush of her fingers against his cock set off a rush of sound in his ears as he walked frantically to free his flesh. He arched up, raising his buttocks to help her, his own hands raising the hem of his gown until the garment was pulled around her stomach, leaving only a deep purple band of velvet encircling her middle. He broke the kiss and leaned down to take one pouting, puckering... (laughs) Nipples don't pout. Pouting, puckering nipple into his mouth. She gasped and pressed even closer to him, offering her his breast to suckle as he would. He raised one hand and cupped the tender mound of flesh his mouth wasn't occupied with, and his thumb and forefinger, stroking her nipples lightly until she cried out. At the same time, he let his other hand wander her thigh, and then in between them, delicately brushing the spring, springy fuzz he encountered. The hair covering her sex was already damp and dewy with warm moisture, and he realized that she truly did desire him. Not at the command warden of the temple, not because their bloodlines were tradition and demanded it, but because he was Vareth. She was Melody, a man and a woman, making up for all the time lost, lost all the love that they had been denied, touching and touched themselves in spiraling storm of timeless, unquenchable desire. As he lightly stroked the seam between her thighs, she moaned his name and pulled away suddenly. The faint moonlight from the slit window against her, her hair was disheveled, her eyes were huge and aflame, and a near snarl of feral need warped her lovely features. The gravity of the moment crushed over him like a paralyzing wave as he recognized the sacred words by which two hearts pledged themselves to one another. He felt as if his whole existence had been leading him through mazes and trackless paths to ensure him to this moment, this place, he would be here with the woman he could truly complete him. He raised his hand which had been playing at her sex and her lips, savoring the sweet, salty essence of her as he knew a fine wine. Once his finger licked clean of her juices, he gave her the ritual reply. I do so swear, Nerodi's name, we will have this for all time, to be my consort, equal before Nerodi. For answer, she bent down to engulf his shaft in her mouth before pulling back to animal aching hardness. She sucked at his cock eagerly and then rose up to look him in the eye. Her face transported in her own juices were nectar. Before the words were fully spoken, she turned with serpentine speed and grace, grasping his head between her thighs, lowering her cleft to his tongue, and she took him in her mouth again. He pushed a finger into her clenching witness, finding the tiny bulging spot to make her arch and shudder against him with his tongue, lapping up her desire as he urged her to greater heights of sensation. Meanwhile, she sucked him avidly, swirling her tongue around him in apparent appreciation of his own efforts for her. He gasped as she cupped his balls with one hand and broke away from his shaft to run her tongue over them lovingly. 
She took him back and forth for what seemed like an eternity until he finally groaned. I won't be able to complete the rite if you keep on. <laughs> That's not how I say that. That is not the sole vernacular that I use if a woman's going to get me off with her mouth. I won't be able to complete the rite if you keep on. So saying, he redoubled his efforts and the briny floral scent of her like a rose on the seashore awakening her hunger for as much as the sweet salty tang of her arousal and the soft vice which her thighs had formed to hold his head in the perfect position for his devotions to her. What a sense. She grasped, whimpered, and finally screamed in an intarculate bubble of release as he found the places that pleased her most, and she gave them the utmost attention. Melody pulled away and turned to face him, her eyes wilder than before. Without a word, she laid down beside him and wrapped her hand around his cock, pulling him roughly toward her. He needed no map to lead him where she wanted him, and he pushed her knees up as he lunged forward, joining her hardness with her softness in a storm of sensation, leaving no room for conscious thought. There was only grasping, irrational need as she clasped her inner muscles around him, inviting him to plunge deeper. Blindly, he used his eyes closed tightly against the onslaught of sensual torment. He claimed her mouth in a frantic, demanding kiss as he pounded into her again and again. His hips rolled beneath him like temptuous seas as he made his hardest thrust with equal passion, each one lust feeding off the other. Dimly, he noticed a thrill of delicious pain, tracing down his back as he raked his skin with his fingernails, beckoning him to take her even more brutally. And he hammered his cock as deeply as he could into her welcoming coal. Despite the cool air, a light sheen of sweat rose as his brows he could tell, not the grunts and the sighs from his own. Oddly, behind his own eyelids, the darkness seemed to be growing lighter, as if somehow mitigated, but a forefront of his mind had no concern except his straining flesh and to achieve the next plateau, sucking at him with her greedy womanhood and pulling him deeper into ecstasy. <sighs> he reached down and cupped the firm globes of her buttocks, pulling her even more firmly into her furious thrusts. She moaned and shrieked into his mouth, her arms and legs locking around him as she tumbled over the edge of the brink he'd brought her to, her sex clenching him in galvanic spasms of release. True to his hope, as she exploded around him, she gave one last desperate thrust and erupted inside her, uniting her as the world came apart into searing light and his mind vanished itself utterly, leaving only a scintillating shimmer of rainbow-colored light behind his eyes. He collapsed against Melody, his chin finding his place where her neck and shoulders joined, as if that were the warm, soft notch that had been made solely for him to find shelter there. I wasn't expecting a lot of foreplay when the first sentence is moments later, he heard the telltale signs of heavily armored and armored men trying to move stealthily through the trees. I'm not expecting a lot of foreplay from a story that begins that way and then with people just dying because a badass is there. He's like, I'm such a badass. You people are undisciplined. 
But then he has to run to go get the cloak that he forgot. And he's like, uh, Fuck you. I'll meet you. Fuck you in the... I'll fuck you. Fuck you in the vegetable room, okay? I'll fuck you there. Jesus Christ. Oh. All right, guys. That's the live show, I guess. I hope it's more fun for me than it was for you at the end. Nobody's saying anything. I guess maybe they all fell asleep. I had a great time. I hope you had a great time. Gosh, I did a lot of reading tonight. Might be the most words read because of how quickly I went on a couple of them. I keep getting stronger. Keep healing up over time. Thank you guys for that. Appreciate all the new girls who came out. All the new girls have said hello both tonight and general on the server this week. It's always so nice to see you. Everybody who's helped me out on social by liking a podcast post or what have you, anything I put up on Twitter or Tumblr, thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Been asking for it all year. You've been giving it to me all year. Thank you for that. Just trying to move the project along. Get it out there. I know it's good, and I know I'm getting better, and I know that you're enjoying it, so I'm asking for your help. Thank you so much for it. Live shows every 10 Eastern if you didn't come to this one. Oh my god, it was a real fun one. I left everything on the floor. Listen to how tired I am at the end of that. I really read and read and read. I put on a whole little show beforehand, too. I had a great time. I look forward to Fridays so very much. Thursdays, I put up the podcast. They get all the praise. I get love and I get attention all the way through. And then Friday nights, I get to come out and I get to show off. I get to be around the sweetest, hottest, most well-read, most interesting girls. It's a fun, it's a fun kind of gig. Thank you to everybody who helps makes it possible. All right. One last time, I am Jack. You can call me the Grey Knight. Or the other way around. I don't really care. Thank you very, very much to Allie, to Aria, to Serena. They do help with the show. All the DMs and all the moderation and everything they do. Thank you, guys. It would not be the same show without you. Wouldn't be possible. Thank you so much. Thank you to everybody who came out. Thank you to everybody who requested something. Sent that in. Again, it's a totally fan-requested show. Thank you to everybody who tipped. Thank you again. Wouldn't exist without any of you. I hope to see you next Friday.